0: Right, right. And, and what happened? So I, w- I just go out with these friends of mine, and they, I would have to sing in their languages. But here's the benefit that I got from that. The benefit was my pronunciation in my main languages got exponentially better. So notice the way that I pronounce is very clear. Yeah. Right? Every single word that I say, you go like, yeah, I know exactly what this person is trying to say. That's practiced. I'm not born with that. So for example, when I switched to French and I go, bonjour, comment allez-vous? Notice how when I switched, there's no accent at all, mm, right? Mm. Or if I say in Korean, nasio, or, you know, you know, genki desu ka, how are you in Japanese? Notice how there's no accent at any of those switches. So that's practice. So the, re- the takeaway that I'm driving here is learning how to speak in different languages that aren't your own is the best and most entertaining way and effective to practice your pronunciation.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to Singing Simply, where through tips, uh, interviews, and tutorials like these, we aim to simplify everything related to learning how to sing. So today I'm super, super excited to have Brendan from MasterTalk on board. Thanks for coming on to the show, Brendan.
0: Of course, Ivan. Thanks for having me.
1: Awesome, awesome. So first of all, I'm super excited to have you on the show because I think a lot of our audience are probably already wondering, this is a singing podcast. Why, why do we have someone uh, from a public speaking background? and? I personally think there is a massive, massive crossover, um, between singers and performers and the skill of public speaking. So I'd like to hear it more from you. Why, why do you think public speaking is such an important skill and in particularly for us in the music industry?
0: Right. And I think it's a great way of starting the conversation. And I was, and I was speaking to a music department recently, actually, and the, what I st- told them is in many ways, public speaking is like a performance. Right? Your goal is the same, whether it's a presentation or whether it's a singing competition, it's a lot more than just the vocals that you deliver, but the experience that you give, whether it's mm. on stage, off stage, to so the things that you wear, to the way that people perceive you in your image. Everything that you do in singing is only part to do with just doing the song, but the experience that you create for everyone around you. Right. And that's why I think public speaking is a good interplay, especially since I like, karaoke in so many languages, though I'm not as good of a singer as probably you are, <laughs> in, in the sense that the more open we are to learning about different industries and different ways of being, that is how we can make our own identities more unique. Because if you think about all the best singers in the world, Ivan, the, 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 the difference between those people and everyone else is that all of those people can't be copied.
1: Mm, mm.
0: Right? and a good analogy i can give you is drake probably in the rap scene where he was one of the few rappers in the world who started singing or rapping a lot of people just thought, this is bizarre why is he doing yeah. this and it created his own unique identity from that in the same way i can give another example tupac and the way that he has very poetic lyrics is when he talks
1: right right exactly exactly so i i, I completely believe that and because i think at the end of the day we are Kind of tackling the stage right, and I think the more you can kind of build yourself on a stage, and I think a big part of it is learning how to put yourself in front of a crowd, deliver that experience. Super, super, super important. And I think um, that actually kind of pulls me to what you founded. So let's talk about Master Talk. You've obviously founded an excellent platform. I've checked out your YouTube channel, and some of the content there is like amazing. Um, so um, tell me a bit more about what's been happening with Master Talk. Like, what kind of got you on this journey? Um, what's the purpose behind Master Talk?
0: Yeah, for sure. Happy to share. So when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age were you know, playing footy or rugby or cricket or something. What I was doing is I was using that same competitive spirit, but I applied it to presentations. Right. So for three years, not only was I you know, presenting hundreds of times, but I was coaching dozens of people on communication. So, by the time I got a job in corporate America, or I guess Canada in my case, I'm based in Montreal, I kind of just asked myself the simple question, which was, mm. What do I do with my life now? How do I make a difference in the world? Mm. And I noticed a lot of the YouTube content was really boring and be- like very plain on public yeah. speaking.
1: Together. Yeah.
0: You know, you got advice from really, really old people. No offense to them, of course, they got great <laughs> content, but it's just. It's just very dull for someone of our own demographic. And that's why, you know, we talked off the record, you know, a lot of my videos have really nothing to do with public speaking. Sometimes I like tie in interludes from different sectors. So I have videos on theater, karaoke, dance, and I apply those analogies back into public speaking. So in the same way as you being the artist, what can you take from those other industries and bring mm. that back into yours to build your own identity?
1: Yeah. Mm. That's, that's a great point. Um, so, I mean, like one of, one of the things I, I, I notice is obviously with public speaking, right? It's, it's definitely not something that comes easy. And like, you, you come from this background where you, you've done countless cases, you've done so many talks in front of people. Right. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will agree. It's not the easiest thing. Like, is, is there any kind of steps or actions that someone can take to start developing their public speaking skills?
0: Absolutely. So I always like to begin with something simple, with just a question that I'd love for all of you to ponder. And that question is the following. How would the world change if you were an incredible speaker slash singer? Right? Mm-hmm. How would the world change? And the more specific you are about that world, the more incentivized you are to practice it. So in the same way that presentations and communication is only a small part of the equation, communication is everything that you do. Mm. right it's the conversations that you have with your loved ones it's the tough ones you have with your loved ones it's the way that you interact your children even if none of us probably have children but it's it's the way that we do everything is communication but i would also argue especially for those who are listening right now where their art is their everything you know whether mm. it's singing whether it's playing an instrument right that also plays into that analogy very well. Because singing isn't just being on a stage and performing. It's the campfires, it's the casual conversation, it's the discussions that you have with other like-minded people within your department and your industry. Mm-hmm. And it's the way that you make each moment feel just a bit more lighter and the way that you inspire small groups of people to follow what you're doing, to do what you do. So when you start to craft that, a better answer to that question, how would the world change if you're an incredible speaker slash singer? It allows you to conquer your fears because then you realize that, sure, I'm pretty scared, mm-hmm. but my message, the art that I have to share, is so important that I need to overcome it anyways. So the fear always loses to the message.
1: And I completely agree, Brendan. And I think for me personally, right, I started posting like a lot of content on social media quite a while back before. And like, I'm, I'm sure like with you, the first, I mean, maybe actually not though, the, the first couple of times is quite nerve wracking and you're just like, oh, is this really for me? Right. Because you're putting yourself out of it, uh, outside of your comfort zone. And all of a sudden you've got all these different eyes who are there to judge you. Um, and I think you're right. Like you have to kind of ask yourself, what, what is it that I'm trying to do? What is the purpose? How is it going to help someone? Because that's the thing that kind of really drives you. Cause I know if I put this piece of content out there, even if it's just one person, they can see it and go, ah let me try do this on or with my voice. Um, so I'd actually really love to maybe dive in a bit deeper because I think the one thing I loved about your, your channel, your YouTube channel, is that you broke things down to very, very kind of actionable ideas. Like for example, the random word exercise, I think that's going to be a great one for like um, our audience to um, start developing their kind of public speaking skills. Do you have any kind of exercises that might tailor to someone a bit more in the music industry?
0: Absolutely. So so there's a couple of things that we can talk about there. So the first thing that you mentioned on whether or not I was scared to start videos, I was absolutely frightened. Like everyone else was just to give people context. I started mass truck when I was 22. Right. So I started coaching executives of companies. So like real, Mm -hmm. like people are much older than me when I was 23. So I definitely had the same insecurities as everybody else, Mm -hmm. but how I overcame that was through two things. Because I think confidence in anything that you do really stems from two areas. One is preparation that we all know. The more you sing, the more you play, the more you speak, the better you get. Yes. The second part that not many people talk about is this idea of having a belief system. The Mm. people who end up conquering their fears of public speaking, of singing, or really anything that they decide to perform are people who have a point of view on how the world should be. Was I scared of these executives? Absolutely. Geez, why are they paying me to coach them? Mm. But I knew I needed their money. Why? Because they're 16, 15, 13, 11-year-old kids who are growing up without free access to communication tools. So for the quality of the stuff that I put out these days, it's not cheap anymore. So I needed to say, okay, I'm scared of coaching these executives, but I know I can deliver the result. And I need that capital or I can't make that YouTube channel sustainable because trust me, it is not sustainable without that coaching, without those fees. So that's the key. So for you, how that translates to somebody who's singing is who is the person or who are the groups of people who are being left out if you don't share your message with the world? And the clearer you are about that person, the more incentivized you are to keep going. So for instance, I give an example from the industry, Russ, who's probably one of the highest paid artists in the world now, Ray probably makes something like $10 million a year. Yeah. He released 11 albums in like three or four years before, before he made it 11 wow. albums. Ray wow. is crazy. I'll send you the video after, but it's, it's insane. Yeah. Ray. A lot of people told him he was crazy. And he had that conviction because there's a small group of people who always listen to Russ. Same thing with me. Like, I don't have this huge YouTube channel or anything, but I know the people are, who are watching are watching for a reason. And that's enough to keep me going. So you need to find that small group of people. So back to exercises. Mm. So besides the random word exercise that I do recommend, one thing I'll point out from my days in karaoke that I still do, of course, <laughs> yes, is the practicality of learning how to sing languages that you don't know. So let me explain one. So mm-hmm. so this is an unintended consequence that I gained after I karaoke. So short story. The reason I can karaoke in eight languages, I speak three English, French, and Tamil, but I can right. also karaoke in Korean, Mandarin, Japanese, Hindi, and Spanish. So the reason I can do that is because I just had I mean it's not to be racist, I just had a lot of Asian friends and they just incre- t- I mean,
1: like no, not at all. I mean, I think That's it's incredible. Right? Thank you for that.
0: Right. And they, I would have to sing in their languages. But here's the benefit that I got from that. The benefit was my pronunciation in my main languages got exponentially better. So notice the way that I pronounce is very clear. Yeah. Right? Every single word that I say, you go like, yeah, I know exactly what this person is trying to say. That's practiced. I'm not born with that. Mm. So, for example, when I switched to French and I go, bonjour, comment allez-vous? Notice how when I switched, there's no accent at all. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Or if I say in Korean or, you know, you know, how are you in Japanese? Notice how there's no accent at any of those switches. So that's practice. So the, re- the takeaway that I'm driving here is learning how to speak in different languages that aren't your own is the best and most entertaining way and effective to practice your pronunciation because nobody is going to wake up in the morning and go hey um um yeah uh, you know um i like apples and i like uh ivan i mean sorry and they go like i like apples and it, like it's just you're just gonna get bored
1: right yeah right? yeah
0: you're just gonna get bored of that and then you're just gonna stop so uh <laughs> so yeah so that's why i recommend the karaoke you no
1: know, i think that's an excellent example because i think i i think kind of diving in from the perspective of like a voice hr i think kind of understanding different kind of languages it it forces you to discover, for example, a lot of, um, Asian ethics, they have trouble pronouncing R, letter R because right. They, their tongue is just not useful because the tongue position is quite different. And what they end up doing is what they would usually do with an L la la Ra. And then because they haven't been exposed to that slightly different tongue position, all of a sudden they're when, and whenever they say anything that has like, like rare, uh, water, it always sounds a bit funny, right? Um, it's because they haven't been exposed to that. So I think that's an excellent kind of... Hey everyone, if you're stuck with singing and would like some help, I'd love to work with you. At the moment, I'm doing trial lessons for first timers. To schedule a time with me, all you need to do, jump onto singingsimply.com book. So that's singingsimply.com slash book. I teach students all over the world on Skype or Zoom. Let's get you singing better. Absolutely insane. Um, I'd like to dive a bit more into that belief system because I think, um, I, I do you follow, uh, do, do you by chance know Tom bill of impact theory?
0: Oh, of course. Of course. of I course. Right.
1: Right. Um, I think one of the things that stood out to me and you, uh, um, is how you guys are both so driven by your belief systems. And I, I think this is a big part of anyone, like not even public speakers, not even singers, but anyone who wants to kind of get something to happen because I think you has to, you kind of have to insert the idea in your brain first. Um, it, uh, beyond the kind of belief system of who else, um, who else would, is missing from this or who needs my kind of service. Is there any kind of like other beliefs that you kind of instill in yourself?
0: Oh yeah. a Bunch. A bunch. Yeah. So I, I think, I think one way of thinking about this, Ivan, is that the best advice that I have for people on building your own belief system that nobody does, mm. right? It's the one habit nobody talks about. And no, it's not yoga or meditation or having yogurt every morning. It is the following. Ask yourself one hard question about life every Mm. single day. If you do that for a month, you'll be a different person. I'll give you some questions to think about. What are you pretending not to know? You all the money in the world. How would you spend your time? And the most important one, if you died tomorrow, what would you want your funeral speech to say about you? These are the questions that lead to unique insights that lead to a unique belief system. Mm. I didn't just wake up and say, oh, I should probably start a YouTube channel on public speaking tips Mm. in my mother's basement. No, no, no. It started with, hey, why is society asking us to retire at 65 when Kobe Bryant died at 41, when Steve Jobs, who had the best doctors in the world, died at 56? That doesn't make any sense to me. Or another one. Why are people asking us to get married, have two and a half kids, not two, two and a half, Mm -hmm. to have a white picket fence because we're not allowed to pick the color of our fence and to have two cars, not one. Because if you'll have one, it doesn't look that great, but we need two. Who made up all these rules? And what will happen over a series of questions that you ask yourself about life that most people aren't willing to ask, by the way, because it's painful. When you go through that exercise, you realize that everything is made up. So the only thing left to do is to make your own rules.
1: Exactly. I mean, like, I think we're, there's so many social constructs that we grew up living by and a lot of them, frankly, right. It's, it worked for a specific time. I mean, the education system is a big one, right. And I don't want to jump into that too much, right. But essentially the education system was not designed for innovation. It was designed more to get very efficient kind of laborers or even apparently soldiers. I think that's where it originated from. Um, And I, I, I frankly just think, yes, you really have to start reflecting. I think reflection was a big, maybe theme of what you were kind of going for just kind of reflecting, spending some time really reflecting about the world around you. Does it really need to be that case? Um, I think that's absolutely incredible. Okay. Um, I think I did kind of pull you a tiny bit away from public speaking. Um, I'd love to kind of jump back. So say if you were to coach, um, an artist who's about to kind of run her own concert or own performance, what, what would be, what would this kind of journey look like? Say if you're kind of guiding them from an absolute beginner on stage to someone who can really kind of own their part.
0: Absolutely. And what I'm going to say is going to be very counterintuitive, but trust me, Uh it's super effective. First thing that I do, my best friend's a rapper, so I made him do the same thing. Okay. Go and have 10, okay, for now it's virtual, but after COVID's over, 10 long dinners with 10 of your fans. Wow.
1: And just ask some
0: questions. Right. So one each one by one.
1: Right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Cause
0: nobody, nobody hears Beyonce. Right. Like, including me. <laughs> <Definitely not laughs> yet. I still da- do that to this day. One on one, do 10 of them and just ask them questions. What is it about my music that you like? Take notes. Why do you listen to my stuff? If I were to have an event, would you come? Why would you come? And then they'll start talking and pouring their hearts into you and saying, Oh, I love your music because of this, this, this talk to all 10 you'll be a completely different person because you'll realize that your music has nothing to do with you, actually negative to do with you. It has absolutely nothing. It has everything to do with the 10 people you're listening to. And Mm -hmm. once you realize that it's very clear in your head, then you'll understand the importance of sharing your music with tens of thousands of people. Because if you don't have that desire, why would you want to get on a stage? Why would you want to practice? If you don't have a desire to go after him, you don't need to be Justin Bieber, right? That's not the point I'm mm, making. Mm. But if you, want, if you have like 300 fans, you can't just go to 50 different countries and speak to six of them all individually. You, you just won't make money. You won't be able to make this sustainable, which leads to the following conclusion. You can do one or two events, 150 each. Mm. So you need to learn how to speak to those crowds, even if the crowds are small but big relative to the discussion that we're having right now. So the first step is getting really clear about why your music matters to the fans who listen to you mm. after that, after that's super clear. The next thing you want to do is you want to understand what are the other, other artists that they listen to and why.
1: Right. Right.
0: And then the third thing you want to do, I'm kind of brainstorming a bit as I'm speaking to you, but it actually mm. is, it sounds it, pretty good actually. Yeah. It makes third, sense. And the third step, which is very counterintuitive once again, all of the artists that those people named, ask yourself how what big crowds do they speak in front of? And then the final question is, do you want to be like them? Mm-hmm. And if the question is yes, then you can go into the public speaking videos. Then we could talk about the random word exercise and then we ramp up your communication skills. But the first thing you want to do is get clear on three things. Why your fans love your music. Mm. What other people do they listen to? And do you want to become those people?
1: Right. Okay. That's incredible. Because I, what I love about, the way you're approaching things already is you always tackle things from a why. I'm almost like, why are you doing this? Why, why, why? Because I think that's probably the biggest thing that stops a lot of people because um, I'm not sure if you've heard the quote, right? A lot of times procrastination isn't because you're lazy. It's because you lack clarity and you like a reason. Right. Um, and I think that's the case. A lot of people, the, a lot of singers I've worked with, some of them are absolutely talented, but a lot of times what might be holding them back is they don't really understand why they're doing it. They're just like, Oh, I just like music. What you're telling them is you you got to dive a bit deeper. Why are you creating music? Why do people want to listen to your music? All that stuff is very, very important. Um, I, I absolutely love that. Now
0: Right. And I can guarantee you, by the way, mm-hmm. that every single person you know, the singers that you talked about, every single person they admired didn't just like music.
1: Yeah. I can yeah. pretty much guarantee that. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. So, so how about this? When when, for example, they've gone through that stage where they've kind of understand the why, and they're on a stage now, they're in front of a crowd of 300 people, is there anything they can do with like their body language, the way they speak, anything like that to deliver the message better?
0: I'll make it super simple for people today. So that way Mm -hmm. you can act, you can implement this immediately. So I, I use this in public speaking, but I think it has so much implications for um, what we do in, in, on the performance, whether it's theater, whether it's the arts, whether it's singing, Mm -hmm. can I call it the puzzle method? then I'll draw it to, uh, I'll draw it to the arts. So public speaking, in many ways, is like a jigsaw puzzle. You know those thousand-piece puzzles that you put together yeah. with your family.
1: Yeah, the ones that give me so- a headache.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so if I asked you, Ivan, which pieces would you start with first, and why, if you did one?
1: Right. For me, I would probably start with the corner pieces because they are, I mean, pretty unique. Um, like it's it's much easier to kind of spot them. Um, I'd probably start there.
0: Right, and you'd be absolutely correct to do so. So the question we need to ask ourselves is why don't we do that in public speaking, we have a presentation in two days. So what do we do? We start with the middle first. We shove a bunch of content and then we get to the presentation last line. We go, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so thanks. (laughs) Uh, yeah. So similar to that in public speaking, that's why I recommend applying puzzles, start with the edges first, like you do with your puzzles, beginning 50 times, ending. 50 times because what's a great movie with the terrible ending? A terrible movie. And then, with the confidence you have, tackle the middle. This analogy applies just as well with public speaking as it does with singing. Why? Because performances and concerts have a lot more to do with the buildup before you come on than what you actually do.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: I'll, I'll give an example that's super random. So I'm really into Korean music. And uh, there's this guy named Dean who's very, very famous. I love Dean. He's incredible. Yeah. But, so I, I went to see him live. Okay. Like this is, he was in Montreal a couple of months ago. And it was mind blowing. And it had nothing to do with the s- songs he was singing. It was the build up to him because he kept bringing feature artists and all that stuff. And then everything went dark. And then he just appeared. I don't know, We all just went ballistic mad. Right. Mm. Dean is a master right, at creating the best on-stage experience for the people who go. Another example I can give you that's more concrete, more tangible to home, my best friend. So I, I went to one of his uh, events once and there was like a bar and the bar was closed so they broke into like this abandoned house and like did the show there. Mm-hmm. And what he did that was super interesting is while he was rapping, he crouched on the floor. And right. I always wondered why he did that. And then I looked at everyone else in the audience. And they all started leaning in to what he was doing. I was like, oh, that's so smart. So you can tell that Shem was thinking very strategically, not just about what he was singing, but how he was displaying it. Right From the toque that he had kind of on the side, from the way that he moved, from the way that he played, from the way that he was. So for you, how that translates to, because I do the same thing. That's what I made a video about that too. I do the same thing in presentations. But in singing, what you want to do is think very closely about the moments before you come up on stage and the moments after. Are you staying after the show to talk to some of your fans if you have a small fan base? Are you getting to know them or are you just walking away? And if you are walking away, are you walking away with a big bang or you just kind of say peace out walking away? Like what kind of experience are you creating for them? I think that's the way we transition it into singing.
1: Right. I think that's absolutely incredible. And I think even just um, personally, right. I think that's absolutely true. I I watched a concert by Bruno Mars. And the crazy thing about these guys is they don't even come on until half an hour into the show because they've got like, they had Dua Liba, he was doing the uh, entry act. And then after 30 minutes, Bruno Mars comes in, like all the drums are building up, just knocking it out, lots of noise and sound. And that anticipation is really what kind of sticks to me now. Um, And for me, I I was like, that's an incredible concept, but it's because there was those emotions riling when I was getting built up for that concept. So I think absolutely true. And I love that idea. So maybe even for like an audience, uh, for an artist, right? One thing they can do, kind of just maybe get a bit more vulnerable, maybe get a bit lower. So then the audience is going to draw in closer. That's absolutely incredible. Um, now, um, one, one thing I'd love to kind of, um, ask about is, are there any kind of like myths or like misconceptions about public speaking? Um, because for example, a lot of people that I know when, when we go attend seminars or like those kind of like business seminars, it sometimes feels a bit like kind of, uh, a, a bit superficial, right. Uh, if if I, if I could say that, um, is there anything that you would like to kind of talk about, like any myths or misconceptions in the public speaking industry.
0: Absolutely. I, th- I think one thing you brought on that's very accurate is this idea of what does public speaking even mean? True. Right? Yeah. What is the definition? So based on how you described it, which is accurate and how most people perceive it, is this idea that, uh, you know, public speaking is like a chore. It's right. for business people. It's like this businessy. I mean, you could tell just by looking at me, I'm pretty casual for my podcast interviews, right? Relative to my actual YouTube channel. And there's a reason I do that, right, to kind of be more casual. But my definition of public speaking is very different. Mm. It's sharing an idea that matters to somebody who needs it.
1: Right, yeah.
0: And that idea is not a podcast or a YouTube channel. It's a cupcake recipe.
1: Mm.
0: It's raising 100 bucks for charity. It's singing that song on a campfire to seven people who don't only care to listen to but will for this moment. Right, it's it's every little thing that you do that matters to one other person. And, and surprise, you know, spoiler alert, that means it's all of us. Mm, right? It's exactly. not just the it's not just those uh, businessy uh, people you you describe that I guess I'm a part of, guilty as <laughs> charged. But at the same time, it's not just a, a skill that is exclusive to them. In the same way, by the way. That singing is not just for the people who are good at it. They're also for the people who are horrendous at it. Like me, guilty is also charged. (laughs) So it's this idea of how do we expand the definition of public speaking in a way that's accessible to everybody. You don't need to be a world-class speaker to leverage communication, but you need to have an understanding Mm. as to why your art demands it or can benefit from it rather.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think another one is um, I I personally, I read a lot of like books on sales, sales and marketing. And I agree. A lot of people kind of confine it to this narrow definition. If you're selling like, I don't know, like Avon products or like something along the lines of that, where you're going door to door. Right. But frankly, that isn't the case, right? What about that moment when you have to convince your mom you're moving out, right? All those things require the ability to negotiate and convince someone. Right. And I think people go too narrow. And I think uh, as you pointed out really well, Brendan, we've got to start expanding our, um, I guess, where things that these kind of skills uh, can be applied. They can definitely be applied to more scenarios than you think of. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying this episode, make sure to subscribe, share with one of your friends and rate this podcast. This would really help grow our community so we can make learning to sing simple for everyone. Brendan, it was amazing talking to you. Um, I would love to see Maybe what's next for you? Like, what what do you have in mind? I'm sure our audience will be super, super keen.
0: Yeah, for sure. For me, for me, the goal is really just keep working on the YouTube channel. So if that's something you want to check out, that's master talk in one word. If you want to message me directly, that's master your talk on Instagram. But yeah, it's mostly just grinding the stuff, you know, sharing ideas with people. And, And like you said, you know, it's this idea of progression, in my opinion, always leads to obsession. So as you start progressing or something, you know, I had the stupid idea in my mother's basement to start this YouTube channel. And then a year later it's what it's become because now I'm obsessed by about it. And in the same way, many of you are obsessed with singing. I mean, now all my content's written for 2023, Mm -hmm. right? That's how crazy I am. Mm -hmm. So if you can apply that same logic into your own art, into your own obsession, I think you'll be able to grow exponentially over time.
1: Absolutely. And um, I, for anyone who hasn't checked out a MasterTalk, I highly recommend. I was doing it this past week for research purposes, of course, but um, a lot of the tips are very actionable and relevant because I think sometimes, I've seen a couple of videos where they talk about this big grand idea and a lot of it isn't tangible. Like for example, just doing stuff like this random word exercise, for example, also looking at the buildup, buildup of your performance, right? All these stuff is so tangible, right? And I think that's what you do really, really, really well, Brendan. Now, before before we jump off, um, is it maybe one last kind of small action More say, say, if they, our audience could only take one thing away from this, what would that be? I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but what would be that one thing?
0: Right. So I'm going to say something a bit different. I was like leaving mm-hmm. with a fun quote and that quote is as follows. Be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you made it 32 minutes in this conversation. You probably want to make a difference in the world. You probably want to do something great. So the only advice that matters, whether you're a rapper, a singer, a performer, somebody who likes theater, or somebody wants to be a speaker like me, the advice is for you to do great things. You need Mm. to learn the art of becoming crazy. Don't you find it odd that a 22-year-old kid started a YouTube channel in his mother's basement, not on pranks not on vlogs, but on public speaking communication tips, then on to coach executives of companies the age of 23, but still lives in his mother's basement, dances alone in that basement for an hour a day, karaoke is in eight different languages, doesn't plan on moving out of his mother's house. And that is the point. None of the decisions in my life make any sense. And if you start making decisions that only make sense to the only person that matters, which is you, you'll probably become
1: successful. Amazing, amazing. You guys have heard it stay insane um, as by (laughs) um, Brendan. So it was lovely having you on the show. I'd I'd love, absolutely love talking to you. And there's just so many nuggets in this that I probably have to rewatch